0: Hey, welcome
1: back to another episode of The Root of All Success. I am your host, The Real Jason Duncan, and we've got a replay of an episode that we're going to share with you today. So you just came off of Memorial Day weekend. Things were fun. You had a good time with your family. So I was also having a good time with my family, and we didn't record a new episode for this particular release. So what we're going to do is we're going to release an episode that was originally released back in October of 2022. Uh, it was recorded in June of the year of that year with a, a wonderful friend of mine, mentor Dan Vega. And the title of this was "The Secret to Calculating Your Probability of Success." We had a great, great conversation. It actually, was part of our Entrepreneur Master Series, so it was an Entrepreneur Master Series webinar that we released as a podcast episode that I'm now releasing again because I think it's that good. I want to give you. Uh, some information about how to calculate the secret or the secret to calculating your probability of success. So I hope you enjoyed this replay. As always, please subscribe and review the podcast. And if you have any questions about anything, see me at therealjasonduncan.com. I hope you enjoyed the replay of episode 106. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Master Series. Today is the first day of summer. It is June 21st, 2022. And I'm really, really glad that you're here with me today. I've got a great guest for the show today. Thank you for being here. Uh, let me kind of set things up. I'm the real Jason Duncan. This is the Entrepreneur Master Series. And the Entrepreneur Master Series is a uh, a webinar series, a live webinar series that I host a couple of times a month where I bring in an outside guest expert like we're going to talk with today. And we're going to do a deep dive specifically for entrepreneurs on how can we, how can we tap into this wisdom that the guest expert has to make our businesses better, how can we how can we manage that? So let me let me thank you again for being here. And in just a minute, I'll welcome our our guest into uh, into the Zoom webinar. But I want to thank we got people, we got lots of people that have joined in live today from all over. It looks like all over the world, mostly here in the United States. We have some people from outside the country. We're glad that you're here. Uh, but the Entrepreneur Master Series is is something that's free. It's free value that I offer as a business coach to. Anybody that wants to join in, uh, one extra little benefit is that my my Exeter Club mastermind members get extra stuff on top of this. So if you're interested in looking into that, we can talk about that. You can go to the ExeterClub.com. You can read about that. But but let me go ahead and welcome Dan at Vega to the show. So Dan, go ahead and turn your camera on. Come on in. Let's t- chat for a minute and then we'll set you loose. All right. Hello, buddy. How's Pensacola. Gone? How's the how's weather in Pensacola?
2: hot, man. And I was a little discouraged when you said it's the first day of summer. I got like a hundred more days of this. <laughs> yeah.
1: So it's, it's my cousin's birthday. I've always remembered that she and I are the same age. I turned, I turned 47 in March. She turns 47 today. Uh And so we always, always remember her birthday because it's the first day, first day of summer. But, um, but thank you for being here, man. It looks yeah, pretty behind you. It looks like the skies are blue. It's kind of yeah. like it here is here in Nashville.
2: Yeah. It's a nice day. It's hot, but it's, it's a nice day.
1: I think it's going to get up to the low hundreds here in Nashville later this week. And we've had no rain for a while. So people are starting to water their grass with their hose pipes. (laughs) They're starting to get, they're starting to get serious. The, The irrigation system is not doing the job. So they got to get serious on it. But thank you for being here, Dan. I know that, um, I want to kind of give a, a an overall introduction of who you are, so that everybody kind of understands what we're going, what's going on. But I want to put in the chat, so I want to call everybody's attention to a few things that are going to go on in the Zoom. So at the bottom of your Zoom screen, there's a little button there that says Q and A. It's got a little bubble It looks like two. It's like a Q and want you to go ahead and click that and have that open on your screen. Everybody, go ahead and do that. No matter who you are, where you're at click on that because we are going to be able to take live questions. So when you type in a question in the Q and a uh, Dan and I will both see this, we'll be able to answer the questions live here on the show for you. And this actually is going to be pushed out later on my podcast, the root of all success. So if you're listening to this later, thank you for listening, but next time you ought to join us, join us live by going to the real EMS, but go ahead and click on that little Q and a bubble at the bottom of your uh, zoom screen. And then if you are, uh, if you have a chat, if you have a question you want to ask specifically to me about something that's not related to what's going on, you can just chat and just make sure you click host and panelists or just host, and you can talk directly to me through the chat. But thank you again for everybody that's here live. (coughs) Let me introduce uh, today's guest. So Dan Vega is coming to us from Pensacola, Florida. He is an American entrepreneur, a speaker, a business coach, a talk show host, a producer and an investor and he started his first business at the ripe old age of 19 and uh, he's written and spoken in the field of business for over 25 years and he's achieved a lot of success in different areas uh, including sales marketing management corporate restructuring consulting he understands business top to bottom Uh, he, he has helped many companies become profitable multi-million dollar enterprises He was also considered a top expert in assisting companies to secure funding. And he's been connected with as many as 200 private equity investors, institutional lenders, venture capital groups, angel investors, and he now holds ownership in uh, several successful companies and is personally invested in several spaces in the market. Some of those are film and television, environmental, technology, health, and fashion. He actually has a I'm not going to give it away, but he's got this movie idea he's working on now. He shared with me uh, not too long ago. It's really, really interesting. He's also one of the co-founders of a book publishing company, Indigo River uh, Publishing down in Florida, and uh, they have dozens of best-selling authors. He's coached everyone uh, from celebrities to some top companies that have been listed in Forbes magazine. He specializes in helping existing companies maximize their profits while reducing their costs and their overhead. And although he's recognized as one of the top motivational speakers today, he doesn't claim to be a self-help coach or, or you know, motivational guru. He recognizes the need for self-improvement uh, and positive thinking. And however, he believes that motivation alone is not going to achieve success. And you've got to, there's other things you got to do, which we're going to be talking a little bit about today. His belief is that any business problem and most life problems can be solved through proper math and hard variables, and that really is the thing we're going to be talking about today on this episode of the Entrepreneur Master Series. Um, he started his television journey a few years ago as the producer and host of Tuesdays with Dan, which was a late-night business talk show that reached over 35 million homes per week on ABC. The talk show's popularity quickly became and made it one of America's fastest-growing talk shows. It was filmed in front of a live studio audience, featured weekly guests, included entrepreneurs and top celebrities. And that's not even all of it, but that's where I'm gonna to stop today for Dan Vega. I'm honored to know him personally, to call him a friend. Dan, welcome to the Entrepreneur Master Series, man. This is gonna be a good conversation today.
2: I'm excited. That was very painful, but I'm excited to be here. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Isn't it me. weird when you sit there and listen to somebody weird. else read read your intro?
1: Yeah. It's like, oh my gosh, my people need to shorten this thing. Yeah, <laughs> everybody always says that, but it's true, like those are yeah that's your accolades and if people are taking their time to listen to this stuff you know we need to know who who are we listening to
2: yeah i'm i'm 51 and uh i had a a guy that i've been mentoring for a while he's like i've looked at your video bio and all these things and people are talking about this and that it's it's hard to believe that you've done all these things just at your age i said hey man it's hard for me to believe it and i was there (laughs) 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 when you hear it it's like whoa Well, you got started
1: early. early. You got started at 19 and uh, and things things kind of blew up pretty quickly for you. So so we're going to talk about the subject of today's episode is the secret to calculating your probability of success. And the way I put it in the advertisements and the promotion for this was that, you know, sure, it might be possible, but is it probable? And that's a question that we all have to ask ourselves as entrepreneurs. And, and, and is it is it probable possibility you know anything's possible right but probability maybe maybe not and so what you're going to help us understand today is that there's a mathematical way through variables and hard hard variables to calculate the possibility and the probability of success for uh, for for a specific business venture right. so um, before you get into like like the, the hard variables and the math that we're going to talk about today. Give me, give everybody a little bit of story about your background and how you process
2: things. Uh, okay. Yeah. But short of it is, you know, I'm from Los Angeles and um, both my parents, uh, they never had a lot of financial success. They were great people. My my father was a salesman of many things. My mother was a teacher's aide, And uh, you know, so of course I grew up in a, a scarcity environment right which bills do we pay which ones do we push it was surviving it certainly wasn't thriving and again my parents did the best they could and they loved me but that's all they knew you can't teach what you don't know um school i was a terrible student i think i graduated with like a 1.5 grade point average that was like if i got d minuses across the board i was like yes where are we celebrating and it wasn't because i couldn't do the work but i just wasn't engaged i just I I kind of process a little bit different way. And um, I just, I just didn't want to go that route. And also when no one cares at home, why should you like, right? If you're a teenager, people don't have accountability. It's like, I shouldn't care either. What kind of helped was, and it's helped my situation. It's not fun, but, but I, as you know, I have a condition that I suffer with called synesthesia. Synesthesia is like. It's kind of like a, a form of autism. So your, your five senses kind of get crossed. So some people can smell color or see music, or, and it's, there's tons of drawbacks, believe me. So I'm pretty much a mess. I have a group of people that surround me that have to take care of all these things for me. Um, but sometimes it can lead into having a high inertia towards certain things. And for me, uh, I've always had a high understanding of mathematics, so it's not really a learned thing. It's just a thing. So when I was 13, um, some people started taking an interest in me that were at UCLA. They wanted me to kind of spend weekends there and, and live part time on campus to kind of study different things and work with people. And that was a great kind of exit out of my environment. My father was a very great guy, but had a lot of demons and and uh, substance and alcohol abuse and other types of abuse. So. Um, that was a real eye-opener for me and by the time i was like 18 and a half some guys in silicon valley they took a real interest in working with me and helping me as well kind of understand how you know how i process and articulate things but but uh working on bigger projects and and those were my first mentors so you know i would look at their level of success not just financially but their family and their faith and all the things how balanced they were. And I, you know, I aspired, that was something for me to aspire towards and ask a lot of questions. And I think because of my age, they took pity on me that I'm like, look, I don't know how to save money. Can you show me how to do this? I was just very vulnerable and they, they certainly showed me the way. And about the fifth or sixth mentor, I ran into a guy that was one of the Forbes 400. He was number 25 at the time on the list. And, uh, I think timing has a lot to do with success because he was had lost someone, uh, one of his sons close to my age in yeah. an accident. I didn't really have a father figure and that kind of filled a void and it was a mentor-mentee relationship. But very quickly as I grew, we started collaboration and partnerships and things like that. So that was very helpful. But what, what I want to talk about today, first let me state this. Uh, that anybody can be very, very successful. And when I say successful, I'm also talking about financial independence, very wealthy. If you should, so every year I have a program where about 20 people a year, I kind of mentor them. And my claim is I always say within 60 months or less, somebody could put together generational wealth. Doesn't matter what starting point you're at, but 60 months is quite a long time. Five years, you can put together generational wealth. And I've proven that many, many times over the years where I, I mentor some people, and I got to tell you, some of the people that have become millionaires, I don't want to call them nitwits, but what they, their, their scope of business understanding at the time was a one out of 10. Um, but by giving them a, the right education and giving them the right metrics to focus on, um, it's just simply, it's just math. It's not based on natural talent. We want you to have some talent. We want you to be a hard worker. That's really not What's going to get you across the finish line it's having the right metrics and doing things in a very specific sequence and that's why you'll see people that are brilliant smart they're kind of like the you know they do everything well you know so what is the saying of uh, jack of all trades master of none that they, they they do a lot of things very well and they have a high intelligence even high business acumen but they're just not putting it together in terms of financially for themselves I know some other people that might have a net worth of $50 million, and when I go hang out with them and visit, I'm like, I can't believe this person is a millionaire, let alone 50 million. It gets shocking to me that they kind of just landed in it. And the reason why is I'm not taking anything away from them, but they're doing something in a sequence that's working. And the other people, despite best uh, intentions, are maybe out of sequence. And that's what I really want to do a deep dive into. So sequencing goes with math,
1: and so math is kind of your thing. You see, you see everything as mathematical probability. I know that um, you know sometimes you're, the way you see it might not come to fruition, but you're still seeing it as a mathematical poss- possibility and probability. Yeah. And uh, I, I, there's a funny, <laughs> funny thing that happened that I haven't even told you about. You and I were together just um, I don't know a month ago. And we were talking about something specific and you, I, I don't know if you remember this, but at some point during the conversation, you looked at me and said, 70% chance. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that, but you said yeah. about 70% chance. Well, a- as it turns out, when I went to have uh, ha- have a follow-up meeting about that issue with somebody else here in Nashville, the, the meeting ended with the guy looking at me and going, I give this a 70% chance of happening. And I didn't tell him, I didn't tell him the story. Yeah. So sequencing and math, there's a way to look at this. So what would be, as, as we're here today as entrepreneurs, as business leaders, mm-hmm. we're looking at opportunities to, to become successful in something. What's kind of step one? What, what do we do first to, to think about, okay, if it's in the sequence, we got to start step one, not step 10.
2: What's the first thing we need to start looking at? I love that question. And I'm going to start with the problem first, because this is going to eliminate all the things that we're doing now for the most part. So I'll tell you a quick story. So I'm, I'm 18 and a half, 19 years old, and I'm living at, at still at home, uh, with my mom, most of the time at least. And, uh, I get this call. So this girl, um, she was going to UCLA, but her father was a CEO of a fortune one company in the Bay area. And he would fly her back and forth. Right. So she comes up to me and she wants to get my phone number. And I'm like, yeah, right. I want digits. And of course I didn't know it was for her dad. So he calls me at home and he says, uh, my mom answered and then, hey, there's some guy on the phone. He says, hey, my name is so-and-so. Do you know who I am? I was like, no. Do you know the, the company? You know, uh, I said, yeah, I, I have heard of the company. He said, well, I've been reading this stuff about you and I've been talking to friends about you and I'm really intrigued and I want to know if I paid your way. I would love for you to come to the Bay Area and I would love to meet with you. Would you be open to that? So my mom always told me, Don't take rides from strangers, but this guy has a Gulf Stream, so how bad could he be? So I uh, you know, I, I went and it was I was terrified, man. I'm this little kid looking at this, I'm going, and there's like guys in suits. And I sit down, man. I have like I'm 145 pounds with like acne and And they're like laughing. So the guy, the CEO, he says, listen, um, how familiar are you with business plans? I said, not at all. I'm a kid, so I don't write business plans. He's like, but if you think about it, a business plan, it's really just, it's it's a bunch of random sequences. Most of them are random, but it's a bunch of mathematical sequences. For instance, your vision statement is kind of what you see in your head, right? Then you got your mission statement, which is what you and these three people set out to do to accomplish the vision. And then you got geographical territory. We're going to set up camp. And that's probably based on where you're living or where, who gives you the best tax break, right? Variables. And then you got your product or service that you perceive to be good. And you got the gap of profit after you sell it. And you're looking at what the comp, uh, you know, what the competitors are selling it for, what you think you can yield in your area. And you got the strengths and weaknesses of your team and opportunities and threats, particularly in your marketplace. And uh, he said, you'll have different other random variables in terms of marketing and, in, uh, you know, trajectory, and blah, blah, blah. And at the end of the business plan, you'll have the financial stuff, fixed overheads, right? So he says, in my opinion, it's just a bunch of random sequences. Right away, I'm like, I agree for sure. He says, so here's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering if we gave you, if we had you sign an NDA, if we gave you access to our corporate books, which at that time were making, you know, double digit billions in profit, um, so I was terrified. Could you find the holes in it? Mathematically, could you find the, if it's congruent or not? So I said, yeah, I think so. So I went through and I found some mistakes right away. But here's the problem. Uh, of what people do when we the realization I came to about four years later is we're doing business completely the wrong way. And it was built originally on a flawed mathematical sequence, particularly in the US. So we build a business very linear, right? So our vision statement, then our mission statement, and then our goals and strategies and product, we do it in a very linear way, right? So imagine you're building a business like this and there's a cliff coming and you're building it like this, and you get it all the way to the edge of the cliff, right? So now you get to the end of the business plan, and it's like, the end of the business plan is the meat and potatoes. If all this math is right, so to speak, and everything that I put in there, all the metrics I put in there is properly added, subtracted, multiplied, and divided against my fixed overhead, this is what I stand to make. That's what you're gonna learn at the end of the business plan. So we get to this cliff, we build this linear thing all the way to this cliff, but we don't have, we can't, we don't have a crystal ball. So we can't figure out what that's going to look like, you know, three years from now, how much money am I going to make? Right? So here's what we do. And I freaking hate it. People will do speculation of future markets or capture. So they'll say, well, you know, so they, they just came up to a cliff. There's no more data that's historical data or present-based data. The rest is now his, is future-based data right? And they're not there yet. So they'll say, well, you know, it's a multi-billion dollar market. And if we could just get 1% of that market share or help, you know, a 1% or 1% they'll plug in the other side of the clip and they'll, they'll, they'll build a bridge. Right. But it's complete. It's not real. It's not going to work because it's speculation of future market share capture. Nothing about that is congruent. So when they do that, they're breaking and it just, it's just pie in the sky. You can't do that. And everybody does it. You know, I'm an investor myself. So 10 times a week, I get people with pitch decks, hey, I need 5 million bucks, I need 10 million bucks. And then I wait for, I say, well, I'm getting collection of the variables. I'm starting to get excited. And then they hit me with, you know, it's a multi-billion dollar business and we're gonna make $80 billion in the next 10 years. I'm like, okay, how do you get, how much have you done now? We've done about 80 grand. I'm like, how do you get to 80 billion? Forget billion. How do you get to 80 million from 80 grand? What did they do? They just kept replicating the metrics of 80,000 and they just scaled it to 80 million, right? That's not going to work. So here's the answer, okay? So to fix this problem, so I wrote a program when I was 24 about how business is completely wrong. It's built on a wrong structure. And um, here's a new way to do things. I was pretty much laughed out of the room. And then later IBM came along and was like, hey, we like what you're saying, we wanna work with you. So to to fix this problem, right? You have to start with the end in mind. You have to go to the other cliff and you gotta think about four questions. So let's start with the first few and I'm gonna give you a real example just so everybody listening is like, I get it, okay? So I always draw a big triangle on a piece of paper so like let's say somebody hired me to help them with this i draw a big triangle on a piece of paper right and i'm gonna ask three questions first right so the first question is how much money do you want to make so as you know i spend a lot of time in the seminar business i would do big seminars about this and i would just say like how much money do you want to make and people would be like how do i pick that number is it just out of thin air like i don't know five million feels good yeah just pick a number like We have to start with the end in mind, right? It's kind of like a GPS system. If I was coming in Nashville to see you and I just kept driving and you're on the phone and I'm on the phone and I'm like, Jason, tell me, and I'm going by the reception of the call. I take a left. I'm like, that sounds worse. I should have taken a right. I'm just trying to find you organically. Dude, I'm never going to, we're never going to get together. The way that it's going to happen is you're going to give me the actual physical coordinates and then the let's say GPS or reverse engineer it all the way backwards with the proper data to the starting point. But if I don't have the original coordinate, coordinates of the place I need to be fixed, I can't reverse engineer it with the accurate data. So we'll build this way, and then I'll just take a guess in your neighborhood or I'll plug it in with some fake stuff to make it try to fit, like speculation of future markets or capture, but it's not real, right? So the first thing is question number one, how much money do you wanna make And I'll give you a real scenario of this. I I met with some guys in in the Midwest and uh, Barry and John, these two guys, and Barry's like, after an hour of talking, I said, Barry, I still don't know what you want from me. And I don't know what you do. Like, what do you want? Like how much money do you want to make? Let's just start there. It's simple. That's the end goal. What, how much do you want to make? I'm trying to get the destination. He said $1 million take home, right? So that's one side of my triangle, 1 million bucks. The other so that question number 2, what time frame do you want to make it? He said 12 months. Great. I'm loving this because I almost have a I almost have an equation. So on the other side of the triangle, 1 million bucks, 12 months. At the bottom, here's question 3, what field do you choose to do this in? He said the mortgage business. Right. So I'm loving this now because I have basically an equation. Right. Now, question four will tell you if your number is too high or too low or if there needs to be an adjustment. Because question four is, what is your probability rate? Now, Jason, I got to tell you, if you put a thousand people in a room, I would even say 10,000 people in a room and ask them how many of them check this variable. You will not get one hand. Nobody checks this okay so what's the probability rate so here's what you have to think about if barry was to make a million bucks in 12 months in the mortgage industry where does that allocate to him to have to play in the game is it going to put him in the top 25 percentile of the mortgage industry top 10 percent of the mortgage industry top one percent of the mortgage industry where what's the pro where does he have to play in terms of the market right and that'll tell you kind of probability. So I said, what's your probability rate to do these three variables that you gave me? And he said, I have no idea. So I said, well, let's do some research. So after a couple of weeks, we figured out that every year in the Mirage Hotel, they have this big mortgage convention and everybody that's somebody is gonna be there, it's all the top people. And I happened to know one of the keynote guys. So I said, let's fly down to Vegas. And I guarantee all the one percenters are there, all the top. We'll be able to find the answer, right? So here's what we learned after about six days. We learned that if you make 250,000 a year take home in the mortgage industry, you're in the top 10% of the whole industry. Now, are there guys making a million a year? Of course there is. But if you make 250 take home, you're in the top 10%. If you actually make 500,000 a year, you're in the top four percentile. And if you make a million-year take-home, then you're not at one percent, but you're well into the one percentile. So here's the question: Is it possible for my buddy Barry to make a million in the mortgage industry? Of course, it's possible. But is it probable? No, man. He's got more than 99 percent stacked against him. Starting, he's got an uphill battle, like pushing a rock or a stone up a hill. 99.9 percent is stacked against him, right? So for me, I'm out on that scenario. I don't try to bet on 1% or 5%. So what for me as an investor, whether I'm investing my time, money, or both, I need a fixed range of probability. I need a certain fixed range that I'll play, okay? And it's probably going to be a little lower than you think, but here's my fixed range of probability. For me, it's 17 to 19%. 17 to 19 percent is my fixed range of probability. Okay, so here's what that means, and I'm speaking in general terms right now. In most businesses, okay, I can, if I'm studious and I buy 300 bucks worth of Mm -hmm. books and I listen to podcasts and I, I'm, 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 you know, assertive. In three to six months, I can put myself into the top 15 percentile of most industries. If I'm trying to be a brain surgeon or a mechanical engineer or a chemist, probably not. But in most business applications, right? If I'm studious, I can generally put myself into the top 15% of a field. And the reason why in business as entrepreneurs is most fields, the herd is 85%, right? So I'm not trying to be rude. But if you think about the people that run our lives, I was trying to get a, a credit card I had fraud on a credit card and I was trying to straighten it out. I talked to so many people trying to deal with this thing, right? Most people are just this step away from being a zombie, right? They just barely have a pulse when it comes to business. I hate to say that, but you know, they go to a place, you know, every Monday and they, they, they go to a thing and then they do a bunch of things on Friday. They collect the thing, then they spend the thing and then they buy things and they go back to the thing on Monday. There's no rhyme or reason there's no passion they're just kind of existing to pay bills but they're not living we, we both know this and the, this is the hurt 85 percent so i've built i can't tell you how many business plans that i've written for companies where i'm there for four days and i'm trying to really build this mathematical sequence for for wealth right the first day is like an interview hey how do you guys do this i don't know anything about your industry so i'm gonna ask a lot of questions how does that work how does this work they're like schooling me right oh here's how it works in our business Day two, I'm asking tons of questions. They're, they're skilling me, giving me all the data. Day three, I'm asking questions, and they're going like this. Um, we'd have to find that out. We're not sure, but why is it relevant? We don't see that that's relevant. I'm like, oh, here's why it's relevant. Oh, okay, let us, let us find, do some due diligence. We'll get back to you. Day four, they're coming to me, and they're saying, Dan, can I ask, let me ask you a question. How does it work in our industry on this? Like we're talking four days they're asking me questions about their industry that they've been in for 25 years right because i'm studious and the nice thing about living in today's world is the top one percenters of every field top one two percenters they're putting out podcasts like yourself they're putting out books they're doing this They're doing that so it's easy for me to identify the one percenters and get on the juice so to speak and if i'm studious and i'm willing to go you know sign up for some podcasts and some classes and buy some books and you know whatever I can identify who they are and really figure out a lot of their secrets. They're giving the farm away, right? So getting over the getting into the top 15 percentile of most business uh things, there's not a lot of attrition. It's just barely getting over the herd. Then the real work starts. For going from 15% to 10%, tons of work. Going from 10% to 5%, exponentially more work. Going from 5% to 1%, thousands of percent more work, right? But just getting over the herd is, is pretty easy. So honestly, when I look at an investment of my time or money or both, I'm thinking about probability rate. Okay, these guys are telling me I'm gonna make this much money in this time frame in this opportunity or field. Where does that have to allocate us to play at in the field? Do we need one? Do we need 90% of market share? Do we need this? Do we need that? If it's like probability rate is, you know, just get over the herd. Um, I'm in, but if it's calling me to have to play into the top 5% of a field, I'm out. I won't bet on even me because I don't like the odds. It'd be kind of like this, Jason, if if me and let's say Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger and Elon came into to somebody and said, hey man, we got an opportunity and we want you to be our fourth partner. Well, it would be amazing, right? However, um, you know we're all going to put some capital in and we're going to have to put a lot of time in okay and being that like we'll go ahead and put in the capital jason what we're looking from the fourth person is to put in a lot of time but we'll put the capital up but i want to be upfront and honest with you it's probable that we're not going to get it done in fact there's less than a one percent chance we'll succeed even with us how much win would that take out of your sales it'd be like oh god i thought i had an opportunity here that's what happens in business sometimes we have the best intentions, we're hard workers, we have a good business acumen, but we set up a structure unbeknownst to us, we happen to select random variables that just are not probable, they're they're just not equatable. Okay, so in my estimation, a business plan is about 1500 to 2000 random variables, right? So you have your vision, it might be several components, your mission, you have your team, their strengths and weaknesses, opportunity threats in the marketplace, your goals, product, how much you buy for, sell it for, profit margins, fixed variables of fixed overhead. Like there's a lot of random stuff. Most of it's random. Geographical territory is where you've moved or where you wanted to set up camp. People that you're bringing on, proximity usually, or friendships of who you perceive to be sharp, right? All those things are fairly random. So forget 1500 variables, if I were to just, Think about 10 random numbers right now, all right? I'm going to write these on a piece of paper. So let's say um, uh, 160, right? And another number, um, let's say uh, 4. And uh, let's say um, 510. And another number is, um, uh, let's put a niner, 9. And uh, uh, let's do a bigger number. 2,118 and uh, a two, and uh, we'll go with a. I'm trying to do a calculation here, 708, uh, 780, 780, uh, and then we'll look at um, maybe uh, 11, and then we'll do 50, okay? 5 That's only nine numbers, okay? Now, if I were to have these random numbers that I just picked, and I said, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to divide 4 into 160, add 500, and, or excuse me, times it by 510, uh, divide it by 9, subtract this number here, then cut the number in half by 2, then add 780 to it, divide that into 11, and then cut the number by 50%. And then I'm like, okay, guys, what's the answer? Like I just asked someone, what's the answer? Dude, who knows? It could be millions. It could be millions to the negative. It could be billions. You ever been on a calculator and you just keep hitting numbers and then an E comes up and it says enough already. We can't calculate anymore. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it could be, or it could just be based on the sequence that I gave it, $312, basically. All that work, 312 bucks is what we're gonna net net. So my point is this there's no way that we could pick 1500 random variables and then we run all the way to the other side of the cliff and we get back and we say okay if all this math adds, subtracts multiplies and divides correctly i just need a gross 700 grand this year or a million so i could take home 300 or 275 come on 275 the mathematical probability of you being able to figure out what what that math is going to stop spinning on and where it's going to land, it's possible, but it's not probable. It's in less than one percent probable. In fact, lotto has a way better chance. Okay, so that's what we do is we, we build this bridge and then we do speculation of market share to build this thing back to make those meet. But it's not going to work. Okay, so think about it in these terms. The thing we need is the destination first. How much money we want to make, what time frame, what's the probability rate? You can find the probability or what field, what probability rate So here's some questions you can ask to figure this out. How many players are in the space, right? Um, For instance, how many real estate agents are there in Florida? Or how many hair salons, you know, how many people that do hair in Florida? Or how many people in the US? Um, Sometimes when I'm looking for a national number, I do state by state, it's a little more accurate. And then I look at the average salaries or the average income. You have to do a little bit of research, but the majority of the stuff that you need is historical data or present based data. Right? So sometimes you just do a Google search and it'll give you the answer. So it might take you a couple of days to fill out the probability, but you have to figure that where does it allocate you to play? So there's some industries, for instance, Jason, that, that you just, you gotta ask this question before you start. So let's say somebody wants to be a videographer. They're like, I wanna be a videographer. Man, I'm not knocking that field but going into it you should know that the top 10% of the whole field is only making high five figures. Right? Now is it possible to make six figures being a videographer? Yeah, it's possible. But probability rates more than 90% against you. Okay? So again, I'm not knocking it. There's there's exceptions to the rule. Let's say you want to cut hair, right? And that's the the license you're going for. I'm not knocking that. I need people need to cut hair. But going in knowing that 10% of the field if you make yourself into the top 10%, you're still only making high five figures. Now, is there people making a million dollars cutting hair? Yeah, they're they're on the shows like Paul Mitchell. They're on stage. They're It's possible, but the probability rate. Now, there's other industries. Let's say I know you do some public speaking, Jason. If you could put yourself into the top 22% of public speaking, just 22%, you don't even have to break the 20% mark. Just get above the herd not even above the herd you still got one leg in the herd okay you're seven figures. how about app building right particularly video game apps if you could get into the top 25 percentile of video games building video games you're in the high seven low eight figures. so this is a question we have to ask before we i'm all about passion figure out what you're the most passionate about and then go into that field we both know passion is a key but I also check probability rate saying, you know, what's my probability of how much the, the, the question of how much I want to make time frame field. Is it, is it allocated me to play above 15, you know, if it's, if it's in that range of, you know, 7, 12, you know, or 17 to 19%, I'm in, but if it's, you know, in the top 10% or more, I'm out, I have to be out. I won't even bet on me and I'm not knocking multi-level marketing companies. Because I have a lot of friends that have made a ton of money in those things. But for me, I won't do them. And the reason why is I'm just it's black and white for me. Probability rate of those companies is about two percent. Now, is there people on stage at the at the quarterly or annual event saying I I was nowhere in eight months ago? Now I'm making fifty thousand a month. Of course, that's real, but they're interviewing the top one, two percenters. It's legit, but it's just not probable for everybody. Right. So this is certainly a question that we have to ask uh, very quickly. Now, let me ask, here's question number four, or do you have something you want to enter? Yeah, I've got
1: a couple of things. Okay, go I ahead. have some questions from the audience, too. So let me go. let me ask this, though. I'm tracking you. So the probability is if you look at different ranges of probability or success rates in particular industries. So let's use cutting hair as an example. Right? So if you say, hey, I want to make seven figures cutting hair. Yeah. I mean, the, like, the probability is so tiny because it's what is less than 1% of the people do it. Is there anything in the calculation that says, okay, because so few people do it, there is the opportunity that I uniquely have that could push me. And I'm not talking about delusions of grandeur because I think lots of entrepreneurs have that, but is there a way to calculate in my unique ability puts yeah. me in a
2: position where I would succeed easily into that space where others wouldn't. Sure. And it also could be unique selling proposition, right? And that would change your law of probability. So it's like, okay, Jason Duncan cutting hair a million a year, the probability rate's 1%. But Jason Duncan cutting hair in this town with this unique selling proposition or offer and my unique talent, that also will recalculate the the probability, right? Um, So to your point, there could be, no one has this or let's say some business field that you're going into and there's no shortage of people in that field but you have a specified knowledge that no one else has that that gives you a great advantage so the probability is going to go way up but even with those things i'm very cautious about taking on now now if, i've had those those things actually come up jason where it's like look this is 10 12 percent probability but i feel like i have specified knowledge or i got a guy on my team that has something unique or i have a very unique song proposition or hook, I'll go in on the 90 percent stacked against me kind of a mm-hmm. deal. But I'll never go lower. I don't care what the the advantage <laughs> is. I'm not going past that.
1: So you're looking at you're looking at the fixed range of 17 to 19%. So you're so the herd is in that in that right 85. So so yeah. so, so 85%. So you're wanting somebody to have a 17 to 19% chance of succeeding at the rate that they are pre- are pre-
2: projecting is that what you're saying yeah if i could just be studious and identify the one two percenters in the field and take three to six months to really do my homework and immerse myself can i at least get over the average let's take podcasts for instance you know i read an article that uh, you didn't know how much did you know about podcasts before you started a podcast i mean you knew a lot about business right yeah not much about podcasting okay So I read an article uh, not too long ago. I don't know if I think it was Wall Street that said that the average podcaster gets to like episode seven and they quit. Yeah. And the numbers were massive. Like everybody starts a podcast, they get to seven or nine, they're done. Right. (laughs) So you come in and say, dude, the probability rate. I love that because the herd is quitting at seven or nine episodes. If you just got some stick-to-itiveness and you have a resolve and you got some piss and vinegar and you read some books and you talk to some other successful podcasters you're going to throw your hat in the ring and you can beat the herd right now being the number one podcast in the country i believe you could do it it's certainly possible but a got you know it's going to be a lot of work as you know and you're certainly climbing by the way
1: but honestly English plug i just dropped
2: my link to my podcast in the chat right, thank you <laughs> so you can pay me later but that's a great example of like, well, I'm not the herd and I'm gonna go do my research and I'm gonna talk to other successful podcasters, might even interview them, find commonalities and I'm gonna give it a shot, right? So yeah, we have to, th- now, now let me get back to the Barry example. I think this will actually answer some questions. And then, so when I look at this sheet that he gives me, I wanna make a million dollars in 12 months in the mortgage industry, we find the probability rate to be you know, 1% basically, right? So I go back to Barry and I say, Barry, listen, here's the way I look at it in my mind. I look at it like Barry kind of gave me three threes, right? That's how I look at it. He basically gave me three threes and he said, Dan, like he gave me three fixed positions, right? Three fixed metrics, three, three and a three. And he said, Dan, make it 11. Dude, math never lies. No matter how good I am in business, I'm not a magician. I can't make three threes be 11. It will never be 11. No matter how bad you want it or need it to be 11, it just can't. So I have to go to Barry and I say, look, I can't make this 11, but here's what we can do. You have three fixed positions right now. Allow me to unfix one position, right? So instead of three threes, I got to make one of them a five. Or let me unplug two positions that are fixed. We could leave one fixed. Let me unfix two and let's put two fours. But we can't have three fixed metrics that don't equate right it just won't equate so in that scenario i would say barry do you want to make a little less money maybe we go down to 350 no i don't want that one to be unfixed okay do we want to pull off the timeline to 18 to 24 months because that increases our probability rate nope well the only other thing is we got to change fields we got to play to your strengths but find another field that allows you to do what you do, but give you a higher probability rate of success. Does that make sense? It
1: does. That was actually the question I was gonna ask next is like, there's a way that you can screw around with that to say, well, uh, a million over a million a year in that industry is not likely, 99% not likely. So you can either keep trying and button your head against the wall or change one of
2: those things, right? Yeah, and so think about it this way. And this is very important to write down and just really think about if you really have been, let's say that you're, just pushing hard you're pushing that you've had some success in business but you're just not where you believe you deserve to be or could be you're not at your maximum potential and it's no fault of your own you're working you're putting in the time you're putting in the paying the dues putting the hours in it's probably not your fault i'm going to be honest with you because forget 1500 random variables when we build a business here's the awesome thing about math the way that math works is that two things one is math never lies and number two is at some point of math it has to start repeating it repeats itself right so when you start a business we don't need 1500 variables we don't need all the how we're going to be successful in that industry as you know jason if we wait for all the how we're going to do it man by the time we collect all that data the world has changed so much we need a new how right and we'll never get out of the gate but instead of collecting 1500 variables let's say when you select the first six or eight variables of your business. Now, how fast would you collect the first six or eight variables of a new business? Probably before you open the doors. What's the business gonna be called? What's our domain? What's our product or service? What can we get it for? What can we sell it for, right? Um, How are we gonna compensate our people, right? The first six or eight decisions are made like that, right? So when you select the first six or eight decisions, here's how math works is that we randomly select these six or eight variables randomly and then the way that we randomly put those variables together unbeknownst to us it creates an inevitability think about what i'm saying we randomly select two friends that we're going to start a business with we select nashville tennessee because we like it and that's where my wife's from and we select uh, this product or service because we perceive it to be a way to make money And we perceive that we're going to compensate this uh, much in this area, because we feel like that's what people need to make in this area. Like when we make those six or eight decisions, we randomly select them. And then the way we randomly put them together, it creates an inevitability. So now that math is going to stop spinning somewhere. It's going to, by the time that math or those variables, add, subtract, multiply, divide correctly, it's going to land on a very finite number. The problem is we're just not there in history to know what it is yet, right? So if we could fast forward in history, you know, 12 months, 24 months, 36 months, whatever the business plan is for, we would know that it's like, uh, I hate it. Or, oh my God, we're gonna make a lot of money. But we just don't, we're not there in history yet, right? So that's the problem is a lot of people have the best work ethic, they have the right business acumen, they have the right knowledge, they're actually in the right field. But the way they selected their variables randomly, they put them together, it put a roof on what their potential is and it was a really short work where they can't even stand up straight and you can't out earn the structure that you create. So sometimes I'll go in and I'll just change one or two variables. So let's imagine 1500 variables on a board and it's an even number. By the time I add them all together, it's even. And then they're telling me to make it odd. I'm like, that's not gonna work. It will never be odd number, it's an even number, right? But if I change one variable by one number, right? The whole damn thing calculates, correct? That's exactly what it is. Is I'll do an interview and I'll look at all the variables in their business. I'll change one element. I'll make it three or four, right? I'll change one marketing strategy and all of it equates now. And they're doing less work for a lot more money. And they're like, what is going on in my business? This feels crazy. Sometimes we get lucky where we'll hire a new person in, and it's not such as specifically what they're doing or their role in the business. But the dynamics and the variables they brought to the business was the exact tweak to go from all that math equating or not equating. And now things are thriving and we're giving the credit like, wow, since this person showed up, we are thriving. But it's not necessarily what that person's performance, just their performance. It's that they brought some more metrics that made the whole damn thing equate, if that makes any sense.
1: Makes, makes perfect sense to me. So we've got a few questions that have been asked in the Q&A mm-hmm chat. So I'm going to go ahead over to those if that's all right. Um, So the first one is coming from Ira. Ira, thanks for being here today. He asked this question. He says, with so many data sources and information out there, do you have any resources that you lean on for data that you know that you can trust? And I assume what he's meaning is, how do you know that only the top one percent make a million and the 14 percent make 250 or what like
2: how do you where do you find that data i've searched for that for so long man that's such a great question here's what i found you have to you have to find several credible sources you know like i find a lot of stuff from like forbes or wall street journal and i find that to be pretty credible but i need congruency of, of several people basically saying the same thing so they're they're different artists but they're painting a very similar picture of what certain climate of business looks like or certain thing. And then I'll go with that. What I have found to be the best uh, in terms of a measuring stick to figure out the data or that answer that question of probability, you're going to do figure out 10 good Google searches. So how many players are in this space? What's the average person make? Sometimes they have to do it by state. But here's the other variable is i'll go identify leaders i'll go identify 10 leaders in that specific industry and i'll ask them hey if you somebody did this or that what do you think that would make them have to play at they'll you'll get a consensus that's very accurate like those 10 people that are at the top they'll say something that's so congruent it's just it's almost all the same data and then based on that and and doing a little bit of research in the market You'll be able to get a good guesstimate. Sometimes you're like, look, my probability rate seems like 31% or 30%. You have a little room for error, right? Uh, a little bit of margin for error. But um, here's the one thing that we got to maybe caution ourselves against is, is so, so I, I coach all these people. I have a doctor that just recently did this to me. Hey, Dan, um, I, I, I might not have told you this, But, uh, and he's gone through all my training. He's gone through all this. I might not have told you this, but like four years ago, me and another doctor started a business. He brought the other doctor to meet me. Guy's like, yeah. And we're doing, it's so awesome. We're doing this, here's our vision. They have this clinic they're opening. They're they're painting the whole story. And then I go, okay, um, what's your probability rate of success based on the metrics he's told me They go? We, We don't know. I said, well, how do you monetize it? They go, see, and that's why I wanted to come to you was we have everything else done except for the monetization and we got to just figure that part out. So my first thought would be like, how long have you been doing this? Four years. And have you guys been putting capital in? Yeah, we both put in about 90,000 each. I'm like, how much time have you put in? Equivalent to probably another six figures each, time-wise. I'm like, what are you guys doing? You didn't check... You didn't figure out monetization yet? Like if it's going to be there, like that's the first, like I might be very passionate about a field. And as soon as I'm saying, this is really one of my passions. I think I would really enjoy doing this. I just pick a number. How much money do I want to make Time frame, field? Then I go search for my probability rate to see if that plan's even going to freaking work. Now here's a couple of questions after question four, what's the probability rate? The next question that I would ask, would be um sales goals right so by the time you're asking don't think about fixed overhead right now definitely don't think about compensation of how you're going to compensate people that's too early to ask that question so the next thing would be okay my fixed range is in there so i'm i'm gonna do this right i just get over the hurdle. i'm gonna be successful i don't have to be one percent i'm gonna do this so by that time we understand what the what the sales rate is gonna be right or excuse me, we need to have some sales goals, so we know what our product probably is or our service. I can get my product or service probably from this much cost, and I could probably sell this much. So what's my my gross margin? And then I'm going to start making sales goals. After sales goals, then I'm gonna that's going to be before fixed overhead or compensation, because thinking about those sales goals, it's going to tell me. If my fixed overhead is too big or too small it'll give me more accurate data of what kind of fixed overhead i need and how to compensate people that question should be after sales goals now here's one point i want to make and then we can just kind of take a lot of time for questions but here's here's one point i want to make i learned this over a lot building a lot of businesses, and i learned it the hard way because i was always taught like you know somebody asked me recently on an interview what's the difference the host was saying I've been in business for myself a long time, but I've never really considered myself an entrepreneur, she said. She's like, what's the big difference between a small business owner and entrepreneur? Am I an entrepreneur? I said, I don't know, right? As we know, the difference is a small business owner at the end of the day builds a job, right? They they first one in, last one to leave, sign their checks last, and technically they're self-employed, but they built a job, they built a, a shackle on their leg They can never go in, they're inside the machine, right? They're a cog in a machine. They can never leave. And if you do leave to the Bahamas for two weeks, you come back, you're putting out fires, right? Because they built themselves in the business. Entrepreneur is a different animal. Entrepreneur is not afraid to get in the trenches, get his hands dirty for a few months. But going in from day one, he's thinking about putting processes in place and developing people to say, man, in three months or four months or six months, I don't want to be working in the business. I want to be working on the business because I want passive income. Right. And I don't want to have that tied to active hours income. So we know that there's a big difference there. But here's the thing, even for entrepreneurs in building a startup, you can't, you shouldn't have processes and systems in place too early. And everybody's all about processes and systems. I get it. They're necessary. But when you're in a startup, You have to not have processes and systems in place because you have to, you can have some basic parameters of how your business is going to function, but you're not thinking about efficiency at all. Right? I know this global contractor that does a couple billion a year. He's a global contractor. You know what he told me the other day? He says, I always think about safety before efficiency. Okay. So think about that in the business world. Safety has to come before efficiency. So you can't have processes and systems in a startup because when you're in a startup, you're identifying problems, and then you might have to put a, think of a solution and implement it within forty eight hours. So you have to be a speedboat that can pivot on a dime. Just bam bam. Like you're pivoting quickly and you're you you have to be really, really responsive, right? So if you have red tape and you have you have a department head, you think about the military or think about these major corporations with department heads, let me talk to him and get that signed off, and then I'll go to him. It's, you're, you're a giant cruise ship that can't take a, a two hours to turn. You know what I mean? You're just not responsive uh, at all. So in the beginning of a startup, you have basic parameters of operation, but you don't want to think about efficiencies yet because you're still collecting data and pivoting, right? So you have to play fast and loose. For the first three to six months, you're playing fast and loose. You're collecting data. You're pivoting and you're throwing it back out there. And, the, and then the wheels come off, it, it goes five feet and falls over. How, where'd the wheels come off? You put it back together and you throw it back out there. You're collecting tons of data, you're pivoting and daily, right? Now, after you've gotten the bugs worked out and you find a rhythm that's working, then you put your processes and systems in place. So the speedboat's a little less responsive. They're not three hours from now. But they're saying, "Hey, we'll get back to you in 48 hours, or or within a week, we'll figure out." It's not as responsive, but now you have efficiencies created because safety's handled. Your safety, which is jeopardizing you and your family and your income, safety's handled now. So now we put processes and systems in place so we can actually create that passive stream. We don't have to be there. We're working on the business instead of in the business. That's very important because a lot of entrepreneurs they want to build the whole damn thing before we even start. And they want, like, who's going to be in charge of this department? Where am I in charge? Where, where, where to, like, department heads? I'm like, dude, that's too much red tape and bureaucracy. We just got to collect data and haul ass and fill it with gas and go. <laughs> it's like entrepreneurship is jumping out of a plane with a, and then figuring out how to assemble the parachute on the way down. Like, that's what we're doing. And, uh, and so anyways, I just wanted to make sure that we, we realize that. Well, I've got, we got a couple more questions to come in. Joshua asked this
1: question. He says... How would you determine the possibility or the probability rather for an apples to oranges situation? And what he means is, in other words, a category that is new, like Web3 is new uh, or, or smart data, uh, you know, that type of thing. How do you how do you figure out the probability when something is brand new?
2: Such a great question. You're going to have to go to something, a different field that has a similar behavior. Right um and this might be hard to think about web3 but let me give you a for instance years ago this guy came to me and i was helping him get funding right he came to me with an idea called build a book now when i say build a book what's the first thing that comes to your mind build a bear build a bear right <laughs> yeah yeah so i go like this kind of explain to me what build a book is he's like well you have these themes you can slay a dragon save a princess you do already kind of written And the kid comes in, says, I want to save a princess. I want this. And then there's like four or five other main characters. So you can have your best friends in fourth grade. Billy's going to be my best knight. And Johnny's not going to be in my book. But Sarah's my queen. You can kind of put all your variables in there and create this book. And then you leave with book in hand. And then they have a digital backup that you can pay like insurance if the parents lose it. Killer idea. So as soon as he tells me about it, I go, kind of like Build-A-Bear. He goes, no, not like Build-A-Bear at all. Not even similar. (laughs) i don't know it seems like Bear. he was so adamant that it's not even like build-a-bear right well that's a problem because when you go for funding if you're so unique investors we view it as risk it's like this has never freaking been done before and it's so unique i don't know if it'll work so my my risk goes up right so he tried two years on his own getting funding and then finally i'm like dude you got to embrace build-a-bear because build-a-bear has data you can look at their financials they're bringing in hundreds of millions they're a global company so we literally go into the investor's office and we say hey we got this company and we start showing them all of build a bear's data and they're in 50 country estates and this many countries and they're doing this much and he looks at us and he goes do you guys own build build a bear we go no but that's basically our model now let me just show you a few ways of why we're better so that mitigates risk because I'm not trying to do something that's never been done. It's too risky. But I'm, I'm drawing a parallel to a similar field that has a similar behavior. And I can find the probability in that field based on that behavior, but then add some points to my probability right? because there's no other players out there. Does that make sense?
1: I think that's a perfect example of, you know, really there's nothing new under the sun. I mean when was the last time new new happened like I can like when when mobile fo- smartphones came out okay was that new no it was it was a conglomeration of all these other pieces of technology that came together so I think you're right is that we look at the data that we had access to and then we pull that data together to make the great you know the great you know the probability metrics that we need to get where we're going to go so good good point there. We've got a, uh, another question here uh, from Iris. says, if you found your probability rate to be more like 50%, as opposed to the 70 to 90. Call me. Would you,
2: <laughs> would I you, want adjust, the,
1: would you adjust timeline to get it back to that?
2: Or do you Yeah, I would, I would. So I've had some businesses that are like, I want to make this many millions of dollars in 24 months in this field. And it comes back like, okay, 49%. I'm like, yeah, I, I'm going to scale up the money. I want to make more, I'm going to, because I know I can get over the herd, man. So I might, I might lower the probability rate to say 20%. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to just say that, uh, you know, I'm definitely not going to go in at 50% when I'm going to, I'm going to go for a little bit more because I don't need the probability rate to be 50%. I need it to be you know a little less than twice. So another question come in, Mark asked this, can you talk more about the
1: time frame part of the triangle and how to conservatively arrive at that number? And and I actually had a question related to this when we were first drawing out the, the triangle, which I, I made notes here on my, my own piece of paper, is that how much do you want to make? What time frame do you want to make it? And then mortgage you know, or what field rather? And it was mortgage $1 million dollars over 12 months. Is time frame really that simple? It's like, I want to make X number of dollars over this amount of time.
2: Is that what that is? That, that there's no secret to time frame. That's what that means. <laughs> no, you're just, in the beginning, you're just picking random numbers, right? How much money do you want to make? What time frame? What field? That's basically pretty random, right? Question number four will tell you if you're too high or too low. So question number four, what's your probability rate? That's going to tell you you're, your, your number's too high or your timeline if you, or your timeline needs to be drawn out. That's a choice though. See, you don't have to move both of those things. You have to, if you're, if it's coming out that your probability rate, for instance, is only 9%. Now you have a choice. Do you want to take a little less money, go from $2 million to 1.7? Or do you want to stretch out your timeline from 12 to 16 months? You don't have to change both though to increase your probability rate. You just have to either pull out the timeline or lower the money a little bit but we won't know until we at, figure out the probability rate if those other two variables are proper. And in case, in, in the case of Barry, the answer was we don't want. We want the million bucks in twelve months. We want to leave those two fixed. I'm like the only other thing is change the field. It gives us a better probability rate, but plays to our strengths. We have to fix. We have to adjust one of those three things.
1: Well, um, and I think
2: better. well, and by, by the mere fact if if somebody came
1: to you with this plan or to me as a business coach. Either one of us, and I said, "Okay, here's the thing. Here's my, here's the desired income. Here's the time frame I want to make it. Here's the, here's the, uh, uh, the, the field that we're going to do it in. Once we calculate probabilities, like, okay, one of those three variables has to move. Well, by the nature of moving the bottom one, the third question." Doesn't that elongate the timeline? Because if he, he's probably already pretty far down the road of going towards the mortgage business, if you say, Well, you can't do it this way, you got to make sausage now. If you want to do this, you got to make sausage, you got to make tennis shoes, you got to sell sunglasses. Like that just elongates the timeline. So sure. have you ever had anybody come to you and say, and you presented that like Barry and said, You got to change the, you can't be mortgage it's got to be something else. And he says, Well, if I change it to more off a mortgage, is going to elongate the timeline. So Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll just
2: do it over 18 or 24 months. So what, what do people usually do when that happens? Uh, Sometimes it's related, right? So let's say real estate sales. Okay. Well, your probability is not going to be there, but if we just kind of, we don't have to jump to a different tree, but just a little bit different branch. Okay. Let's do, do real estate sales, but let's primarily focus in this niche. So we we can just tweak it a little bit. Okay. You're going to be in the mortgage business, but what if we only did mortgages in this niche? Let's see what that looks like, right? So most of the time, they'll adjust. They don't have to completely abandon ship. Sometimes, though, I've had people say, dude, this business is so similar to this business that I could literally kill it in either one with my skill sets. Let's check the probability of that one. They're so closely uh, related, and the behavior of those two things that he's wanting to do are so similar. I'll just say, well, this one's nine. This one's 29. Which one? Right? Probably do this one. Um, the other, sometimes what happens too, is again, it's, it's not like I'm I'm in the mortgage industry and now I'm like selling Christmas trees. Like it's not that different. So sometimes it's like, well, if I go out and identify the top one percenters and I study, I think that I could take my skill sets to that field and within four months, at least get over the herd. I don't want to, I'm, I'm okay with four more months and I'm going to make that move. Um, so we just have to figure out what our priorities are. Oh, but it's, we're not going to know anything until we ask that fourth question. So that is that's a good thing.
1: I think it's just a matter of the sub variables. So you've mm-hmm. got you know, you've got a, a variable, but there's a mortgage as an industry. Well, the sub variable could change. Like you said, you could niche down a little bit. We got another uh, question that come in. Um, what about what happens? This is uh, Jules is asking ask this question. What happens like things like COVID, supply chain issues, cost of materials, is it okay for your timeline to be pushed out or you just adjust and keep on
2: yeah. track? What do you think? I mean, these are unforeseen occurrences that nobody can control. So again, it's it's very important not to have too many processes or red tape in, in place. Safety over efficiency, right? Because if we have so much process in place, our response time is going to be slow. So you get something show up at your door like COVID, you're going to die. You can't acclimate fast enough. However, both of us know a lot of entrepreneurs COVID showed up on their door, they were able to turn very quickly and figure out how to how to monetize. So it's certainly okay to pull out your timelines because of unexpected circumstances. I've done that on several occasions. However, as you know, most entrepreneurs, they'll find more opportunity in things like COVID or OA or a down market than resistance. Uh, we'll figure out ways to actually have those things play in our advantage because the herd is dying and falling apart. So it's actually easier to get to get where we need to go.
1: Now, uh, Timothy, Tim asked this question. He says, if I incorporate uh, fintech with mortgage and real estate industry, wouldn't that increase the probability? And I think I think what he's getting at here is if you've got one industry, but you pull three pieces of the industry. So real estate, you've got mortgage, you've got insurance and you've got sales, just three things off the top of my head. So if you combine all that, does that increase your probability or are there other
2: things to consider? It could increase our probability if we have a very unique company that actually has a, there's a synergy between those three components. So it's okay. You know, there's a, a saying that if you chase two rabbits, you don't get either. Some of us know that thing, but, uh, it's okay. If it's a, if it's a same, the same tree, but it's three branches of the same tree and there's a synergy and this is helping this, and this is helping build this, right. But if it's a different, three different trees under one corporate umbrella, probability rate's going to go down. So that's the question we have to answer. Is it three different trees or is it one synergistic situation under one company that makes sense? That definitely could increase our our rate and give us an advantage.
1: Yeah, people don't know, most people don't know this, and I know you for sure know this, 10% plus 10% plus 10% does not equal 30% oh yeah right. and so just <laughs> so, so many people think that's what that means well i got a 10 percent chance here 10 percent chance here. and so that gives me 30 no no no, yeah. no. that's not yeah. how that percentages do not add up that way they don't they don't work and so to tim's point it could like if you looked at the percent possibility you know you, you got a 15 percent here you got a 20 percent here and you got a 30 percent here that doesn't necessarily mean all together it's going to be was that 45 55 that doesn't that's not what that means we got to calculate if you put that together, these two together, that ten percent or whatever, whatever I said, fifty percent plus fifteen percent doesn't equal sixty five. There's some other number that you've got to calculate. So uh, yeah. it's a good point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We had a we had another question that's a little off topic specifically, but it relates back to something you said early yeah. in our episode today. And this is from Tracy, and Tracy asks, "How probable is it to help or to mentor someone to create a company and generational wealth?" when they have very little assets
2: to start with? You don't need assets. Honestly, you need, you need training. Like I said, I, I develop about 20 people a year. The deal I give is I'm like, look, you're going to have to be an intern for 30 days. It's going to suck. Then you're going to be a paid apprentice for a while. Uh, and then I'm going to develop you really hard and fast to where at the end of the year, I'll back you financially in whatever you want to do. Right? And I, that's how a lot of companies that I have have started is honoring my deal. Like, okay, man, what do you want to do? And then we'll become partners in something, right? People, I got a guy right now that was in here yesterday that I was developing. I, I literally was at the mall. I was on a, getting ready to take a business trip and I need to, I don't have any jeans. And I'm like, I need to buy some jeans, man. I'm going to all these places. There's this place called the buckle. I've never even heard of it. I, I tried all the big department stores. I walk in, I'm like, Hey, what's your guy's deal? We sell jeans. I'm like, okay, I need jeans. What's your shtick? What's your unique selling proposition? People buy our jeans because they last 10, 20 years and they're really good designs. I'm like, cool. I buy a couple pairs of jeans. The kid helping me was sharp, man. And at the end, I, we're at the register and he compliments a watch that I was wearing and we just start rapping and he says, uh, I said, let me ask you a question, man. What's your long-term plan? He says, my parents are entrepreneurs, but They're not really the right people for me to be my mentor so i want to find a great mentor and so i pulled him right out of the buckle and he's in my program right on a scale from one to ten right now this kid his business acumen's a one he has no assets okay not important though um but in a matter of just a few months you can you can have what it takes to to start a real business here's the other thing sometimes I'll, i'll i'll go through fields instead of passions to find a probability rate, like I want to make this much money in this time frame, I got to go find the field that will allow me to do that, and then make sure that I like it. Like I won't do it if I don't like it. But I, I got to find out this much money. I want to make fifty million dollars in in this much time frame. Let me go look at ten things, and I'm going to pick the one that I like the most, but gives me the probability rate. That's how we do it. Is we figure out the math first, then pick the field. Of course, we have to be passionate about it. Yeah, we got to be willing to suffer
1: for the thing that we're building. Yeah, right. Well, Dan, this is a really, really good information. I know that for me, I when I first heard this this information, you did a you did another webinar with me earlier in the year, um, and we had lots of great responses from it. So I appreciate you sharing it again. We had a, a another another question, uh, another question coming. Let me let me just preview it. It's uh, let's see. Um, Okay, so this Candace says a a unique USP can have a synergistic game plan, multiple formats, demographics versus two rabbits like you were talking about. So she uh, she says, I have a USP that multiple and multiple markets and multiple formats that they can all embrace. Uh, They are generating money and an audience exists. The USP is strong, choosing the best direction for the USP is the probability rate Sorry, Actually, I, I'm sorry. I was reading that live and that doesn't uh, Candace. I'm so sorry. I'm butchering your question, but I'm reading it as you wrote it. And I, Dan, you got anything like, do you understand what she's trying to ask there?
2: Can we have her ask the question. Uh,
1: I don't think we could do. We can't. I don't think we have the functionality
2: to do live. So, so uh, when I find a really good, uh, unique selling proposition or I have a really good advantage, that definitely gives me a higher probability rate, right? So again, let's say that I'm looking at a field and I'm trying to collect data from the one percenters and trying to figure out if my range is there, and I'm a little bit short, I come about 13 14%, but I know I got an ace in the hole with something unique, I'll, I'll jump off the cliff because I know I'm going to be able to mitigate that that risk in those four five points, right? Um, but I also want to I do want to just share one more thought. And this is a really important thought that, that uh, to write down. And this is something that is, uh, I think it was Megan. This will give you a little comfort. So all the data that you're trying to collect to answer that fourth thing, the fourth question, what's your probability rate? Where does the attrition start? That that actually tells you if, if you should jump ship or you're in the right place. Right. And then you can just strengthen your result. Um, but. Here's what's interesting. All the data you need to know this is either historical-based or it's present-based data. None of it is future-based, right? So it's findable. You might have to spend a few days and talk to some people and identify the one percenters and send them an email and do some Google. Think of some unique Google search terms, but you can get the, the, the probability easier than you think. However, with that being said, This is uh, something that I I have to, this point that I have to make is the way that mathematics works is that you're in a business right now that let's say has 1500 spinning plates, 1500 variables. I don't need 1500 variables because math allows me that if you have enough, if you have six or eight or 10 of the right variables, everything else is going wrong, but you got six or eight or 10 of the right variables. The way that math works is that I can I can manipulate those variables. Right. And anybody can do this by da- through data collection. So if you have six or eight things going answers to your business now, you can spin those in different ways and look at data different ways. And it will eventually tell you all of the how not only what's historical based, but present based data that you may or may not have right now. But it will also tell you the future based data. So think about what I'm telling you, it, we don't need all the how, but if we have eight or 10 variables, we can manipulate those in different, let's try higher price, let's try lower price, let's try this, let's try free, let's try this monitor. You just keep doing that with all your 10 variables. It's gonna continue to give you data. And eventually it will give you all of the how, the, the, the section that's in historical base we already have, the section that's in present base that we may or may not have, but it will also tell you future-based data. Right. So here's what I'm saying is it allows us to go from the ability to project accurately to accurately predict. Now, think about this. If you had a crystal ball and uh, you could ask it any question, it would tell you historically like what's going to happen. How long would you need that device to be generationally wealthy? End of day. Right. There's so many applications. If you think about it, knowing the future, you could be very, very wealthy. Well, here's the magic phrase. The difference between projecting accurately, which we all do in our businesses all the time, the difference between projecting accurately and having the ability to predict, which is a different ballgame, is only the presence of enough hard variables and belief system. Let me say that again. The, The difference between projecting accurately or having the ability to predict is only the presence of enough hard variables, 8 or 10, and belief system. So when people hire a mathematician or they hire someone, I mean, it, they're not projecting, man. The big companies like Apple, and they're not projecting. They predict, man. It tell, Math can tell you where to be standing at what time of day on what day. It'll tell you, how, like a big catcher's man, stand here at 3.07 p.m. on July 12, 2022, like that, it tells you that data it tells you feature-based data so as we both know i'm not very smart of a guy you know that already Jason. but i'm always standing i know i know how to predict to where i can be in the right place at the right time over and over and over because math allows us to do that and uh, all the data you need to collect right now is available right now none of it's feature-based So
1: let's pay attention to the three questions that Dan taught us today. Is number question number question one is how much do you want to make? Question two is what's your time frame? How long of time do you want to use to make that? Question three is what field you're going to do it in? So get those three things figured out, and then go look at the probability. So what's the probability of that happening? One of the questions that just came in is what's what's that seventeen to nineteen percent versus the eighty five percent? Well, what I what I think you're saying is if the herd is working at 85%, 85% of everybody's doing something, but the top 15 are doing something better. And what you're looking for as an investor is to invest if somebody's in that 17 to 19% top tier, that's what you're meaning, right? Yeah. Any, I could, any further I, if explanation I can just on get that? my
2: big toe out of the, the herd and I'm just like, just barely above the herd. I've even had deals where like the the, the probability rate comes back at 25% and I still got a whole foot in the herd. I'm just mostly out of the herd. If I can just be there, I haven't even overcome the herd and still hit all my metrics, I'm all in. Yeah, so as long as we can get over the, 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 the herd, uh, we're great. And that's the place we got to think about. And I, I think too, Jason, that uh, we have to remember, we have to build the bridge, we have to have the, the, the fixed destination first, how much money, time frame, field, probability, then reverse engineer the bridge back, and it'll give you all the accurate health uh, data and how to the starting point like a GPS. We can't build a business linear to the cliff and then just use speculation of future market share to build a fake bridge. It will not work.
1: Well, I think uh, I thank you, Dan, for being on the show, the Entrepreneur Master Series today. And for everybody that's out there listening, whether you're live in the webinar today or you're listening to this on the root of all success later, or you're watching it on my YouTube channel. This is the type of coaching that I help provide to my clientele, my coach, my, my coaching platform provides opportunity to get access to people like Dan Vega, people that are coming on here and sharing their expertise. So if you're interested in getting more coaching like this, I've dropped in the chat room the link to my website. You can go to exitwithoutexiting.com and read about how to get involved in the next opportunity. I've got a, a business accelerator that's coming up, it starts on July the 7th. It's eight weeks, one hour at a time, live on Zoom with me showing you the four core principles that you need to implement if you want to learn how to create that passive income from a business that runs without your daily presence, just a little bit like what Dan was talking about today. The probability of you being able to do that is really high. It can happen. You can do it, but there are certain variables you have to put in place to make that happen. Because you registered for this EMS, you're also registered for the next one and all of the ones that are coming in the future. The next one's coming up on July the 26th at 3.30 Central Time with Dr. Amanda Barrientes. She is the CEO of NFA Money, and that stands for no and around money. She gets right down to the dinny, gr- nitty gritty. And the topic for that one's going to be the top three money blocks that keep you from making money. And there is a mental block that will keep you from making money. And I'm going to talk about that on July 26th. And I'm actually in the works trying to plan another one for July too. I can get another one in July. But, but Dan, this has been such a pleasure talking to you, having you on the show to answer these questions, to go through this with everybody live. Uh, any final
2: words of wisdom you want to leave for the whole group today as we get ready to sign off? Oh, I just want to encourage everybody again, that if we're not hitting the success that we um, feel like we deserve, it, it might not be your fault. You could have the right industry, the right, you're the right person. You're putting in the right amount of work I think We've just have selected a few things. So my suggestion would be go back to the team, do an inventory meeting. And when I say inventory meeting, interview them, figure out what their strengths, weaknesses are, put all that data on the sand relook at it. Because chances are, by just manipulating or changing one or two of those variables, the whole thing will equate and you're going to have much more success. Well, Dan, thank
1: you very much. And thank you, everybody, for being here today. Uh, Please make sure you join us next time when we talk about the top three money blocks. Just go to Exit Without Exiting if you want to join my coaching program, sign up and let's get going. Thanks for being here, everybody, today. We'll see you next time
0: attention business owners attention business owners feeling burnout from running your business uncertain if you're nearing burnout take our free 10 question business burnout test at businessburnouttest.com to discover where you stand with just 10 quick questions you'll learn how to immediately begin making changes to regain freedom and success cut your daily operations time in half improve your quality of life and prepare your business for your future exit without losing revenue or profit visit businessburnouttest.com now and take the test Thank you for listening to another edition of The Root of All Success with the real Jason Duncan. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, visit therootofallsuccess.com to access the show notes and other helpful resources. Follow Jason on social media at The real Jason Duncan. See you again next time here on The Root of All Success.